0: try to next smiles to bring sight to the blind man. It's down to the little child. We will survive. It's not too early next. Swimming through the waters, i and not like a rebel fish. Jumping is specialist. Predator, and survivalist. Spit and have a fight from his lips. Burn the same driver.
1: to time for an awakening on black talk, radio network, new media, for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because those 46 states, "My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people. We'll turn this around. Proverbs 4.7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. To all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. 32 is streaming live audio at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the home page, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live audio there also. We're streaming at a bbtumi.com. That's dot com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn Radio is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening Radio program with a live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening Radio Program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that Like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. with The fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read. Download it later times and share with your friends. And also check out that Time for an Awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. It's timeforunawakening.com. Timeforunawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this Sunday evening here in the city of Philadelphia. It's a rainy Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday, December the 10th edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, and update, activist, organizer, and president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association in Memphis. Tom Burrell is with us this evening. Uh, We'll be discussing a myriad of subjects with Mr. Burrell um, and a lot of updates since Mr. Mr. Arroyo was last with us, um, I don't know, maybe about four months ago. So get your pen and paper ready. Uh, Put on your thinking caps. (laughs) Do what you have to do. Uh, We'll be ready to uh, exchange with Mr. Burrell. And you can always get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215 490 9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies.
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 7.13 here on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African-American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street, Brother Richard. Is with us, brother Richard?
5: Yes, sir, brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm uh, it's been a busy weekend, but I'm looking forward to um, to this update by Mr. Um, Burrell because um, uh, I was just recently in a discussion about um, what's going on in the South in relationship to air property and and even you know the you know we've been talking before about um, the movement to the south. And and um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in, you know, in this update and seeing how the mobilization organization
1: around um, land and economic development is happening. Uh, you know, I'm glad to get Bruce Pharrell back on to kind of give us an update. There's two things going on. Uh, Richard almost at the s- simultaneously because uh, Mr. Pharrell has do- been doing that Southern tour where he's uh, uh, informing uh, people about this uh uh two point two billion dollars that is supposedly available to them and also uh, at the same time uh organizing the farmers uh to form l l c to protect uh their land down in the mason area and also to organize to uh prepare themselves for what 's coming uh uh in Memphis and the diff- and surrounding areas uh Richard, before I bring Mr. Burrell on, because I want to kind of start with what what he's doing now um, in the different states, I want to put a little historical perspective on what we're talking about here, because sometimes we start in on these subjects, and I'm not necessarily talking about us per se, but when I hear these subjects discussed on other venues, they just start right in, and sometimes. And I don't want to be critical of uh, people that are conducting some of these interviews. Sometimes the people are not really aware of what they're talking about. So they ask just general questions. And I kind of want to be aware of everything that we're doing here on this program and be aware of the subject matter that we're dealing with. And also be aware of our situation and how we fall in whatever subject we're talking about. Tonight we're going to be dealing with several different things with Mr. Burrell, but first we're going to be dealing with the situation with USDA. And let me just, Ms. Burrell, be be a little patient with me. I want to put this in a historical perspective. Uh, And I'm going to read from a couple of these reports. In 1862, the USDA was started. It was part of the federal government and was instituted by executive order uh, by uh, Abraham Lincoln. From 1862 to 1965, uh, things were going on with black people and black farmers and landowners. But let me let me just read a few things here, and this was from the uh, Department of Social Equity at Duke University, and uh, William Darity, one of our past guests and uh, people that were working with him put this report together. Uh, it came out on May 5th of 2022. It states, and I'll read a couple of paragraphs, black people had the largest amount of farmland that they would ever own in the US after the Civil War, but a decade, but decade after decade, that land had been stripped through discrimination policies and theft, leading to hundreds of billions of dollars economic loss in the 20th century a new report shows according to the report published on May 5th 2022 after slavery 425,000 black families had nearly over 20 million acres of farmland in the south by 2010 they had since lost 14 million of those acres often at the hands of the US Department of Agriculture The land loss and possible income and land that could have produced for black farmers between 1920 and 1997 total $326 billion, according to economists' estimates. Authors of the report titled How the Government Helped White Farmers Steal Black Farmland hope it would start uh, to the federal government, hope it would state to the federal government how black farmers should be made whole. So we see here that William Darity kind of put this in perspective of the billions of dollars, the hundreds of billions of dollars that have been lost at the hand of USDA playing a major part. We know that other people, the terrorism, terrorist acts by American, uh uh America, white American citizens played a part, too. But he talked about the part that the U.S. Department of Agriculture played in that. Let me move up a little bit. Because we talked about, just mentioned how Lincoln started that U.S. Department of Agriculture in 1862. This came from the uh, Civil Rights Department of U.S., Department of Agriculture report by their action team in February of 1997. In 1965, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights found discrimination both at the USDA program delivery and the USDA's treatment of minority employees. A 1970 employee focus group concluded that the agency was insensitive to issues regarding uh, equal opportunity and civil rights, and that cronyism and nepotism were frequent factors in making personnel and management decisions. So in 1965, Almost 100 years after it was created and all the discrimination running rapid, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights found discrimination at USDA. It took five years for them to to write a report saying that this was being done. In 1982, the Civil Rights Commission found the USDA administration had not placed adequate emphasis on dealing with the crisis dealing with the crisis facing black farmers and saw indications that the agency may be involved in the very kind of racial discrimination it had been seeking to correct. Now, let's put this in perspective. In 1965, it was found. In 1970, a focus group said that this was going on. And by 1982, it was so-called discovered that nothing was being done by the USDA. On December 12, 1996, a group of black farmers demonstrated outside the White House in Washington, D.C., calling on President Bill Clinton to assure fair treatment for them in agricultural lending programs. And the farmers also filed suit in court against the Secretary of Agriculture, Dan Glickman, asking for an end to farm foreclosures and restitution from financial ruin that they uh, claim was brought on by discrimination. Secretary Glickman responded by appointing a team of USDA leaders to take a hard look at the issues and make strong recommendations for change. So we see here that in 65, it was discovered 70. It was a focus group made 82. Uh, sure. Discrimination was still there and they accused USDA of basically, uh, Uh, Not doing anything about something that they were supposed to be doing something about and here it is 1996 Some of our people who have made transition now because some of those same people was guest on our program 10 years ago In 1996 the same suit was filed That pickford versus Glickman Now in uh, 2010 this was during the Obama administration, Uh, black farmers won a suit against the federal government for $1.2 billion in discrimination and land laws and and discrimination and loan practices. Keep in mind, this $1.2 billion pales in comparison to the money that had been stolen by the federal government in the guise of USDA. So now we move up into the present. That was in 2010. And we've had plenty of farmers on here that just said that they never got justice even from that lawsuit. Let's move up here to the present, and I'm bring Mr. Burrell on. This was from the USDA's uh, report in 2021 in February on the pandemic bailouts. It says nearly all of the billions of dollars in federal farm bailouts to offset the effects of COVID-19 pandemic went to white farmers. A newly revealed Department of Agricultural Study data shows white farmers received nearly 97% of the billions provided through October 20th of 2021, uh, of 2020, I'm sorry, through the USDA's coronavirus assistance program. CFAP, according to the data obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. The bailout program created last May by the Trump administration was suspended last month while under review by the Biden administration. In total, white farmers received $6.7 billion in CFA payments, which is the coronavirus assistant payments. Latino farmers received 100 million. Native American farmers received 76 million. Asian farmers received 17.6 million. And black farmers received 15 million. Keep in mind, white farmers received 6.7 billion. The disparity between white and black farmers was even greater with the market facility program. MFP created by the Trump administration to offset the impact of Trump's failed trade war with China, which closed lucrative Chinese markets for many American farmers. Using data obtained through a separate freedom of information, the Farm Bill Enterprise previously reported that 99% of the MFP went to white farmers. So we see the two bailout programs that was conducted during the coronavirus. Hundreds of billions of dollars went to white farmers and pennies compared to that went to black farmers. Now, it mentioned in this article here that the program was suspended by uh, 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 Biden when he came in. The Trump program was suspended so they could kind of look at what was going on. Let me read to you what was stated by uh, Vilsack, speaking in behalf of the Biden administration. This is from the Washington Post, March of 2021, in an interview uh, conducted by the Washington Post. uh, Vilsack said that the Biden administration would be focused on closing inequities at the USDA and will battle three systematic problems concurrently a broken farm system food insecurity and a health care crisis after eight years of agriculture uh, after eight years as agriculture secretary during the Obama administration Vilsack returns to the USDA at a time of rising food insecurity because of the pandemic during the previous term Critics say he failed to address long-standing complaints of discrimination against black farmers to access USDA loans and other programs. After months of debate about systematic racism and reparations for slavery and segregation, uh, segregation, Vilsack says he will make rooting out racism at the agency and in agriculture a priority. The American Rescue Plan will pay $5 billion to black farmers who have lost 90% of their land because of systematic discrimination and the cycle of debt. That was in March of 2021. Let me just read this last portion, and I'm going to bring Mr. Burrell on. This is a report from the National Institute of Health on October of 2022, a year later after uh, Vilsack took over the suspended program of Trump. Analysts of the payments from the coronavirus food assistance program and the market facility program to minority farmers. This paper examines the payments made to minority producers and focuses on African-American producers from the coronavirus program the CFAP of the United States Department of Agriculture and compares it uh, with the Market Facility Program, the MFP. There were two rounds of the CFAP, the coronavirus program, that direct payments made over $31 billion, Excuse me. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Oh, my place. Direct payments of $31 billion in two separate payouts uh, was made starting on uh, 2020. The MFP made a, a total of $23.5 billion in two rounds because of the retaliatory tariffs placed on the U.S. producers by trade partners across multiple years. The CFA, or the coronavirus, uh, 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 assistance program made of the now listen to this audience and I'm going to turn this over to Mr. Burrell there were two rounds of the coronavirus assistance program direct payments of $31 billion paid out of the CFA the coronavirus payments made almost $600 million. And direct payments were made to minority farmers. Of the 31 million, 600 went to minority farmers, but 52 million went to black farmers. 600 million of the 31 billion went to minority farmers. But of that $600 million that went to quote-unquote minority farmers, black farmers supposedly received $52 million. This is a statement made by Vilsack on March twenty-fifth, 2021 to the Washington Post. We saw 99% of the money going to white farmers and 1% going to socially disadvantaged farmers. If you break that down to how much black farmers receive, it's a 0.1% says Tom Vilsack, USDA, quoted to the Washington Post in 2021. After uh, the secretary's statements, the USDA implemented changes with the goal of approving access to COVID-19 relief funds for minority farmers and loans, including black and African-American producers. But we, we have seen since then, that the five billion dollars that was supposed to be allocated to black farmers from the coronavirus relief program, uh, went by the boards. Now it's a new program, $2.2 billion located, uh, allocated, I'm sorry, to disadvantaged farmers. So it's a lot of people under that banner. We're going to talk about some of that with Mr. Burrell tonight and plus some of the other information that he wants to share. Mr. Burrell, I want to thank you for being a little patient with me because I had to kind of put a little historical perspective on what we're dealing with. Brother Elliott. Yes, sir. Thank
6: you so very much, sir, for putting all of this in perspective and giving us a historical overview and a historical timeline as to how the African-American community in general and black farmers in particular have been excluded from the word get-go. I think he used the phrase, USDA was started in 1862, and nothing, sir, has changed. (laughs) This is a a runaway train of discrimination that has not been abated, and unfortunately, it doesn't matter which administration, which time period, whether it's a Democratic, uh, Republican administration or a Democratic uh, administration, the the degradation, the discrimination uh, of black farmers and their heirs has remained, sir, quote, unquote, constant. So thank you again for putting this in perspective. Unfortunate, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, things have gotten worse here over the last several months. But I just wanted to pause to say thank you for that historical uh,
1: overview. Mr. Burrell, b- before we kind of start, uh, because I, you, you know we want to touch on what's going on around at Blue Oval and what has happened in some of the uh, organizational uh, meetings that you've been having in the different towns. Let's talk about the Southern tour that you've been having in reference to this 2.2. Now, notice it was $5 billion allocated uh, previously when Biden came in. White farmers all over the nation said that they didn't want to give money to black farmers. The banks went to Biden saying that they didn't want to give debt relief to black farmers. And then all of a sudden, the rug was pulled out. Uh, the money was never allocated. And now they didn't changed it to $2.2 billion, but everybody's in the pot now, uh, not just the black farmers. It's a race-neutral type of thing. And from what you have told me, and I want you to kind of help our listening audience to this, that uh, you almost got to write a novel. It it, it reminds me of um, when, when some of our ancestors went to vote and they put the uh, uh, big jar of jelly beans in front of them, told them to count, uh, to guess how many was in there, and if they guessed guess wrong, uh, they couldn't vote. I mean, this stuff about filling out 40... Th- Ms. Rell, uh, help our audience uh, 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 through what's going on.
6: Well, keep in mind, <clears throat> what you're describing is that every turn, sir, for the last 120 or 60 or 50 years has been a series of people using the, your proverbial example, the jelly bean scenario. Black farmers have been a victim of the jelly bean scenario since 1862. Whether it's jelly bean X, whether it's trick Y, or whether it's subterfuge Z, we have been the victim of, and notice what you said earlier, there has been a promise made of $2.2 billion. But before this show is over, sir, and when you give me the go-ahead, we're going to show you how trickery and subterfuge is being implemented as we speak, sir, to <laughs> systematically deny black farmers and their heirs from the current $2.2 billion. Brother Elliott,
1: <laughs> well, <yeah, listen>.
6: nothing, <laughs> sir, has changed.
1: Mr. Burrell, you don't have to wait on me. Go ahead and let the people know what's going on. Brother, uh, here again, Brother Elliot, we thank you
6: again. Currently now, there is a $2.2 billion settlement under the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, where the Biden and Harris administration has, in an effort to correct uh, the white farmers, shall we say, going to court, and denying black farmers for the $5 billion that you may reference to. Unfortunately, now they're using a 40-page application, 40 pages, to effectively eliminate for all intents and purposes an applicant. But more importantly, Brother Elliot, the 40-page application is really a red herring. It is a a rouge. It is to throw us off the track of what the real motive and censorship motivation is here. That is to add insult to injury. In this process, USDA is saying we're not going to pay the heirs that law of a black farmer who was otherwise discriminated against. Now, this is even worse. Let me say that again. What the government is saying is, in order for you to qualify, we are paying black folks who were discriminated against for years and years and years and years. However, if the black person is now deceased, his heirs-at-law, his sons, his daughters, his grandchildren cannot file a claim on his or her behalf. This is ungodly, sir. This is foreboding. In other words, what USDA is doing is to abolish a fundamental civil right to inherit property. The right to inherit property is what is considered an inalienable right. We are born with that right. That was the first right, Brother Elliot, that was given to us when you were talking about history three years after the Department of Agriculture was created, which was in 1862. In 1865, we received the 13th Amendment freeing us from slavery. One year later, in 1866, Congress came back and said, it's not going to do us any good just to free people. We were kind of like migrant workers after we were freed from slavery, but we were not allowed to purchase property. So in 1866, they passed the civil rights act and that gave African-Americans full citizenship rights. The fundamental citizenship, citizenship, right is the right to purchase, inherit, convey, and hold real property, real and personal property. That is to say, when you are born a citizen in this country, You may not have a right to vote on that day. You may not have a right to have a driver's license on that day. You may not have a right to get a permit that day to own, shall we say, a firearm. But on the day that you are born, sir, you have a right to inherit property. That's a God-given right. It is a guarantee. But in this current $2.2 billion process, USDA, as we said to make matters even worse, to really show their true colors of how they much disdain and contempt that they have for the African American community, they're saying we're not going to even allow an heir to be able to file a claim against a deceased relative. This is sir, every African American in this country should be shocked, Brother Elliott. Uh-huh. This is worse than the discrimination for which the settlement was intended to rectify in the first place, sir. So now we are holding meetings, and black farmers are going around the country. Most of them, 99% of them, are filing on behalf of a deceased person because, keep in mind, most of the people who were done wrong, as you've made reference to earlier, are deceased. Yes. So when they go to the meetings, in addition to the 40-page application, they're saying, wait a minute, even if I fill out the 40-page application, which in and of itself is arbitrary, is onerous, we wouldn't be able to qualify even if I answered all of the questions because, as I said again, and I think it is worth repeating, sir, USDA is saying, I'm going to solve the air property. We're just going to fix it so an air can't file an application Period. Now, what does that mean? That means if you're going to USDA, abolish my right to hold property and inherit property in the Black Farmers lawsuit, where is it going to stop? Does that mean now I have to move out of the house that my grandparents left me? If, have African Americans lost their right to lease property? That means I've got to give up the car now that I'm renting from Hertz? from, shall we say, Avis Carl Rental. That means we don't have the right, which is where we were, sir, prior to the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1866. If we remember Dred Scott, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in 1857 told Dred Scott, you don't have any rights that a white person has to acknowledge. What Mr. Vilsack is doing under the, are doing the current administration, sir, is exactly what Tony told Dred Scott in 1857. In other words, here's how we're going to solve this air problem. Forget the fact that you lost 320 billion, and I'm glad you made reference to that. Forget the fact that you still own 15 million acres. We're just going to abolish your rights, period, at USDA.
1: If I if I made um, just for a point of clarity, um, mm. go ahead. no, I was going to say, Richard. I know you got you want to jump in here. <laughs> wow.
5: Yeah, because uh, Mr. Burrell. Okay, so what when, when I'm when I'm musing over and and when both of y'all to help me out. So this, um, what you're raising, Mr. Burrell, Mr. Burrell, is happening from the Department of USDA. This regulation change is is. It's not a state regulation, and it's not a federal regu- regulation. It's a bureau- bureaucratic regulation um, formulated within that Bureau of USDA. Is that, would that be correct?
6: You're quite correct. In other words, Congress passed the legislation, the $2.2 billion legislation. All right? Congress passed it, and they gave the Department of Agriculture the responsibility to implement it. But the Department of uh, Agriculture is saying, but here's what we're going to do. We're now going to do differently than we did in the first black farmers lawsuit in Pickford, where an heir could file. In the second lawsuit that you made reference to regarding the Obama administration, an heir at law could file. Mm -hmm. But the Department of Agriculture says, now we're going to say, no, an heir cannot file. Now, Congress didn't say this. But well, the problem is, if they get away with it, it doesn't matter if Congress said mm-hmm. they will have succeeded in depriving African Americans of their fundamental right to inherit land. And they're saying, though, no, Richard, uh, Congress intended for us to exclude the heirs at law. You is. and I both know that mm-hmm. there is no way Congress would abrogate would abolish, sir, a, the fundamental inalienable right to deprive a person of the right to inherit property without holding a hearing separate and aside from the issue of black farmers.
5: And that's that's what I'm trying to, that's what, Mr. Burrell, that's what I'm trying to make sure um, at least um, we understand, I understand. Okay, so this is a, um, and this guy Valsack, Vassack, he was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Elliot, Um, he was intentionally put in that um, position by Biden, wasn't he? I mean, he wasn't the initial um, Mm -hmm. person that was supposed to be, uh, or at least wasn't the initial person that that was supposed to head that department. Am I correct with that?
1: I mean, well, I I don't know what, uh, because they were in the Obama administration together. He was oh, right. he was secretary of agriculture in the Obama administration, so he okay. was familiar with Vilsack. And if you remember when we had uh, John Boyd on there, he said that he had met with uh, Biden and, and it said that the uh, black farmers didn't want Vilsack back in that position. Right, right. right. And I'm and I'm trying to so I, and I'm so getting back to your point, uh,
5: Mr. Burrell. So Congress could since this is a bureau, and I'm just trying to understand the politics of it because in congress we have supposedly representatives if if that should be looking out in relationship to their constituency i'm speaking black constituency specifically if they see that this bureaucracy has created a regulation that really goes against the national law In order to maintain something that, you know, this bureaucracy has been from what I hear you and Mr. Uh, Elliot saying from 1862, which that's another thing. But I'm just trying to make sure that we can say that the black congressional representatives could be raising the question that this bureaucracy is harming their constituency. Is that fair to say?
6: That's fair to say, but the problem is there's only one group out there that has raised this issue, and that is the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association. We raise it by filing a lawsuit in federal court here. When we, in addition to when we were perusing, as it were, and that's what we do, the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association, we have about 20,000 members throughout the country. So any piece of legislation, we're going to read through it, of course, with a fine-tooth comb. Mm -hmm. But we didn't. The legislation didn't say uh, USDA was authorized to deny the heirs. What happened was when USDA formulated the forty-page application, key difference. In other words, there was a bait and switch. (laughs) I call we call that the the babysitter phenomenon. Mm-hmm. mom and dad is going to go on a two day vacation and they're going to have the babysitter to watch the children. They're going to have groceries and wherewithal and provisions for the babysitter to give to the children. However, the babysitter is going to switch and uh, I switch and say, Hey, I have kids at home, so I'm not going to give them ABC groceries. I'm going to take advantage of them, take the ABC groceries, the good groceries, and substitute it for uh, inferior groceries. Now, if the kids don't say anything, how will the parents know that that happened? (laughs) Who is going to advocate? Does that make sense? The average farmer, the average person wouldn't know that. There is no way that the average individual will look at that 40-page application. This is where the red herring comes in. Mm and say, wait a minute, because what they're going to do is say, man, this is a hard piece of document for me to fill out. But they don't see between the lines the document is designed to deprive you of your civil rights mm-hmm. under the guise, under the rules, under the pretext that it is complicated. So the 40-page the application is simply to cover up the real intent and that is, I'm going to steal your rights. I'm going to deprive you. Now, to show you, as you both admitted, that Sack knew better. He was the Secretary of Agriculture during the first lawsuit, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. He knew then. He knew better than to deprive these individuals of a fundamental uh, inalienable right. He didn't do it under the Clinton administration. He didn't do it under the Obama administration. Now, to your point, Brother Richard, He has been there now through two administrations, the entire eight years of Obama and now the the first four years, as it were, of Biden. The man knew better. But to Brother Elliot's point, it just goes to show how this agency is a rogue, key phrase, agency. It has been infiltrated by individuals, to include the Secretary of Agriculture, who have contempt and disdain for the African-American community and have infiltrated this agency, the Department of Agriculture, to promote their own design to expropriate the land that African-Americans have acquired since slavery and give it back to the sons and daughters of the original plantation owners. That <laughs> has been, this is the design, and Mr. Vilsack is there to see that that in spite of what his other intentions are about how he's going to create equity, it has nothing to do with equity. <laughs> he is there to promote the demise of the African-American farmer.
5: And and, and as I turn it back to you, Elliot, but um, Mr. Burrell and you, Elliot, because this, this is, um, the thought came to me as I was listening to the history and, and, and then your response, Mr. Burrell, that we shouldn't, you know, whether we should even really name this is a question about discrimination. If I'm hearing the history, this has been something that's been consistent since this agency's started, inception yes. over 100 years. So we, can't are, say, so we can't say it's been infiltrated and that both parties have been complicit in knowing that what is going on as this agency has been affecting black farmers. And Elliot, you laid out, even with the reports, and I think, and, you know, in my mind carried, that there was two different reports. And we have one who's, um, you know, um, what's that, in the 80s, um, that, that, that report. But there's two different reports to give back that what the agency is doing. So for us to say that, one, that politically, um, nobody's the party, uh, machinery doesn't nationally or at state level. Um, um, black representatives that in 1860, you know, in 1860s, it wasn't that many. Now we have all these others that they're not aware. So it's a question about this agency is a, a fundamental role. And should we call what they're doing discrimination compared to continuing The war or I'm going to say warfare against black property owners and that it was okay from its inception to as an agency to be at war with black farmers. Now, again, that's my conception. So I'm trying to frame this into a question in the sense of should we continue to call it discrimination if the intentionality of the agency is to um, remove the ownership? Even to now, you can't trans. you're gonna go against um uh, fundamental civil rights law from eighteen sixty six Should we call this discrimination compared to calling it something else and i'm will leave that open to what that something else should be, but should we um try to frame it like this is discrimination when we see the effect that it's having on black farmers um black landowners? And their um, inheritance
6: Gentlemen, if I might I don't think we have a problem Calling it Discrimination However, this is If I could paraphrase the gospel God said there's sin And there's an abomination Okay, And a lot of people say Well, what's the difference? Well, an abomination Is the most draconian form of sin So this is racism No doubt about it But this is a draconian abomination, an abomination of racism. In other words, it is racism on steroids. It is racism that has gone, that is so deliberate and so intentional. And you've had now 100 plus years and it has not been abated. So at some point in time, we have to ask ourselves, the politicians must know. But why they're holding their noses and looking the other way, I'm glad you asked. Can I offer a solution? Oh, oh, when yes. we talk about rights, gentlemen, <clears throat> and we talk, if you don't mind, most of our rights are basically, if, I, if our rights were a pie, it's broken up basically into about three slices. The first slice is just that, civil rights which we got in 1866, and that is the right to own property. The second slice we acquired about five years later in 1870 and 1871 under the 15th Amendment, the right to vote, the political slice, key difference. In 1964, under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, we basically got a third slice, and that is to guarantee our rights to accommodation. So we have slice one, civil rights property, we have slice two, political rights, and we have slice three, uh, social rights. Thomas Farrell's position is, in our community, the African American leadership has decided to put emphasis on slice two, which is the political rights, and slice three, the social rights, and abandon and it off the civil rights particularly at the Department of Agriculture. So yeah. agriculture knows it can get away with this, sir. Tom Vilsack wouldn't do this unless he was almost absolutely certain that he could get away with it. It's deliberate, and it's not so much deliberate on his part. It's also the African-American leadership leadership has agreed to it implicitly, mm. if not otherwise. You think they don't know that what this man is doing is a violation of an inalienable right? You would think the Black Caucus, the NAACP, would be livid, but they're
1: not. Richard, you hear you hear Mr. Morrell, Richard this yeah. you know, w- when we speak about this on the program i don 't want people to think oh man they're hating their politicians they 're hating on black politicians this stuff you 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 can't mr. morell, listen, you just describe the legal language of how they fashion that forty page document and knowing that air property or somebody that uh, you know they knew that their father mother or whatever was fighting discrimination all their lives they happen to pass the properties get uh, passed down to them so they want to take up that fighting banner and they can't the, this the, the language of that being fashioned the lawyers that came in to help USDA fashion this language what kind of diabolical mind would do something like that knowing that you're going to be uh, uh, taking land from to millions of people, I mean, well, what, what, what is, what is this? What is this? Are we dealing with black people? What is this that we're dealing with?
5: And and though I I respect that we have to, um, Mr. Burrell. And this again, I'll I'll put it in my con from take this as from my context because we know if this agency and land is critical, there's only two types of wealth building properties. That America foundationally um in its inception. Land and slaves. Let's not be let's not be fooled. Right? Both of them by mortgage and credit are the two fundamental wealth um coming from Britain to to these guys who set this up.
6: That's why what? we call it inalienable. But Richard, not to cut you off. Yeah. That's why it's called an inalienable right. It's right. basic, it is fundamental. <laughs> It right. is a right that you are born. It's a God-given right. It's the right that God gave to Abraham, the right to inherit. It is. It is a fundamental right. It is a basic right. It is a right that no state should take away. And if a state shouldn't take it away, why is USDA trying to, and taking um, it away?
5: But you, you contextualize it um, cre- uh, correctly for me, or at least from the perspective when you went back to Dred Scott. Because if the two fundamental um, bases of wealth is land and slaves and most of the land that has been owned by um, black folks are those who were previously enslaved, they were not intended by Dred Scott.
6: In other words, let's go back to my slices. We don't have a problem with you having other rights. We just don't want you to acquire land because that is the footing for economic development. Brother Elliot said it. That's why we lost three hundred billion dollars. It's because of property. You don't lose three, you don't lose three hundred billion dollars because you can't vote. You don't lose, <laughs> lose three hundred billion dollars because you can't get a driver's license. You don't lose three hundred billion dollars because you are not allowed to own weapons. But you can lose property, sir. So property or and generational wealth. Key phrase: How are you going to generate? or transfer a generation of wealth if the heir, the person who is going to benefit from me, is not allowed, if I'm not allowed for my property to transfer to my sons and my daughters. Mm -mm -mm. So yes, Dred Scott still (laughs) applies in the African American community. It's just that what group does it apply to? It applies to black farmers and black landowners. There you go. We're the we so Dred Scott never left Black farmers from day one. This is why and uh now let me give you another example. There are all kinds of settlements today. You have the one in South and North Carolina, the uh Camp Lejeune settlement. You have Mesophilioma. Uh in two thousand and ten, I believe it was or thirteen, you had the oil spill down in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh the be uh uh the uh, was BP spill each and every one of those not to mention 9/11 people were killed but you still paid their sons and their daughters what USDA is saying if you are deceased we won't pay now they know that most black farmers are now deceased but their property interest in a lawsuit or land should still convey to their children's children. So if he can fashion a program now to stop the children from receiving property from the proceeds of a settlement, he's also going to to stop them from receiving the proceeds of air property, sir. And we're back to that eminent domain and other reasons why they're still trying to take land from what? Black folk. But it's almost always farmland. It is real property, and nothing has changed in the last one hundred or in fifty or sixty years, going all the way back to Dred
1: Scott in 1857, sir. Mr. Merrell, uh, what we're going to do? We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll talk about some solutions, some of the things that you've discussed. Uh, I understand that uh, the the meetings that you've had in several states. And the black belt has been, hundreds of people have come out. L- let's talk about some of these things, and also we're going to shift the conversation to the Blue Oval and what's going on around that situation, too. Uh, stay with us. You can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832 uh, to listen on. audience. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with activist organizer and president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalist Association in Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Tom Burrell. We'll be right back.
4: All Insurance Incorporated, an African American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over twenty years, located at two thirty one Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over fifteen major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number two.
3: Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia
2: and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abib2Me.com, are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your Global Commits you Black Family. To join your interconnected, commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking
3: about non-segregation as people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America
2: I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far it's a kind of installment plan for equality and uh, they're always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far
3: and know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep
2: Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of their time-honored gimmicks
3: is to point to individual blacks who have achieved recognition. But look at Ralph
2: Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young But I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The Examples of blacks
3: who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give
2: you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form
3: of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation
0: (laughs) proclamation.
2: Don't let anybody Take your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's eight ten on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, activist, organizer, and president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association of Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Tom Burrell is with us this evening, uh, discussing several different topics. Uh, Mr. Burrell is on the Southern tour right now. of Some of the black belt States informing them of this, uh, $2.2 billion supposedly allocated by USDA or federal government, uh, to black farm. Well, they don't really say to black farmers. They say to minority farmers and, uh, and also we're going to be discussing uh, the, the Blue Oval where Mr. Burrell has been going around to some of the black towns trying to organize our farmers uh, to deal with uh, some of the uh, financial uh, boost that's coming to that area. Mr. Burrell, uh, talk about it from your perspective because you've been on a an uh, uh, a organizational tour of some of the states in the black belt. Uh, and some of the people have been calling you in some of the membership uh, some of the meetings have been very well attended. Hundreds of people have come out. What is the overwhelming sentiment of our people that are coming to those meetings? Now, see, now this is a two prong question. Because you're an organizer, you're not an armchair. You don't sit there and say, oh, black people should be doing this. Black people should be doing that and not doing anything. You're out there organizing. So when you made a statement like you did about a half hour ago to Brother Richard about these lawmakers and all are part and parcel to this. See, I, I sometimes I give them a little bit of benefit to the doubt. I'll say that they might not be aware of these issues. But you didn't say that, Mr. Burrell. You said emphatically that a lot of them are. And uh, listen, I don't, I, I'm not fighting you. I, I agree with that. They're part of the problem. They are the problem. But talk about it from your perspective as an organizer. When you talk to the hundreds of people that have come out to these meetings, what are their sentiments? Do they feel as though these people had failed them? Are they trying to organize to get them out of the way? Uh, are they kind of oblivious to what is the problem? Or, well, just, just give us, just tell us the pulse of our people when you go into these meetings. And keep in mind, listening audience, uh, it's not five or six people at these meetings. where Mr. Burrell's been going; it's been hundreds of people that have come out, black farmers and landowners. So, Mr. Burrell, give us, give us the pulse of our people. Brother Elliot, thank you again for that question.
6: And again, to your co host, Brother Richard. Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Yes, we are an advocacy association, the Black Farmers and Agriculturalist Association. By the way, if you don't mind, let me give you our web address. It's com. Bob Frank, Apple, Apple, INC.com. Our office number is 901-522-8880, 901-522-8880. We hold meetings, as I said, we have members throughout the country, and the majority of our members uh, are the heirs-at-law of black farmers. Many of them have moved to Chicago, moved to uh, New York, Philadelphia, uh, Atlanta, LA and we are traveling around the country to do two things the first one is the problem with air property as you said we still own uh, brother Elliot approximately five million acres of land of course we've lost about 15 million and there are reports that that's worth about 300 billion we still own the roughly 40 to 50 billion in property but it It is basically unaccessible because of the way we own the land.
8: And that's going to be
6: true in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, God bless and rest their souls. They did the best that they could. They at least acquired the land. They didn't understand, though, that in addition to telling the children don't you all sell, they neglected, God bless their souls, to die, or at least they neglected to leave a will. And when they die, their land became what we call air property. And that is to say it is ungovernable. No bank, no financial institution is going to let you have any money against that property because of the way that it is owned. So the first thing we're doing, because we're telling our members, the automobile industry, corporate America is moving from the Midwest, moving ex- from uh, the the Northeast, and moving to the South, to Alabama, North Carolina, Georgia, where we own this property. However, they are looking for people to partner with. But because we have defects on this property, i.e. air property, we're not able to leverage it. So the things we're asking our members to do with respect to the property issue is to incorporate so that you can, quote, unquote, collaborate. Ford Motor Company, General Motors, Nissan, Hyundai, Volkswagen they're moving to Atlanta, they're moving to children to the Carolinas, and they're moving smack dab in the rural areas where black folks traditionally own land, Brother Richard, own land, Brother Elliot. And here again, they're willing, unlike USDA, believe it or not, they're willing to work with these individuals. But we are saying to the individuals, our members, You're not going to buy a vehicle with a defect on it. You're not going to buy a car. So when we have these corporations moving into our area, that gives us an opportunity to create generational wealth by now developing the property, not selling it, but developing that property into hotels and restaurants, service stations. But we can't do that until we clean up the defects. So that's the first thing, we're, that's what we're doing. But simultaneously, we're talking about when we travel, uh, about this opportunity with the $2.2 billion. Interestingly enough, on the one hand, corporate America is saying, yeah, we'll work with you when you clear up the defects, i.e. air property. USDA, USDA is saying here's how we're going to solve the air
8: property issue
6: we would just abolish your air property rights <laughs> to your point earlier. People are coming out. It is almost time. And I think the African-American community, now this generation, we we're in a position now to talk about generational wealth. We are in a position to talk about and understand what God meant. And when people say a wise person should leave something to their children's children. For so those of us in this generation, We're saying we're willing to leave at least our interest in this property to the next generation. However, again, uh, hundreds of people are coming out to these meetings. We're in the Carolinas. We're in South Carolina. (laughs) Excuse me, gentlemen. We were in Florence, South Carolina, where 700 people showed up. We're in Dothan, Alabama, several hundred people. We're in Memphis, Tennessee, five or six hundred people. So people are coming out, and now that they realize that, wait a minute, the government may be trying to take or deprive our children from the right to inherit, which is basically what our property is. Even though grandma died without a will, granddaddy died without a will, the heir is still entitled to the property. He simply has to do some things to make sure legally that his interest is, shall we say, identifiable. But no one has tried to take his interest, as it were, or prevent him or her. Keep in mind now, even though people may not want you to own property, there has been no group up until the USDA over the last 100 years to literally stop you from buying property or trying to stop you, as it were, from inheriting this is why, to use your phrase again, Brother Elliot, what USDA is doing is so diabolical. And this is not coming from a skinhead group. This is not coming from the Klu Klux Klan. This is not coming from some neo-Nazi group or the Proud Boys. This is coming from an agency, sir, a government agency doing a Democratic administration, Ie the Department of Agriculture. So yes, people are coming out, and we that's why we appreciate you all for allowing us to share this platform. And we are we're getting calls from people around the country, and as I said, our web pages, uh, our telephones, or people are calling. That when can you come to our area? We need to hear this. We have the same problem in North Carolina. Believe it or not, gentlemen, we have this problem in Philadelphia. We have this problem in Detroit. It's not farmland, but it's the house that mom and dad paid for in, shall we say, Detroit and the Bronx, or in Chicago. But it's worse in the rural South, which is where uh, this is where the farming community, the IE uh, Department of Agriculture, has more of influence hmm. and control. It then pro- control control but this is why this is so foreboding, because after a while, the question is going to be, well, if USDA was able to get away with abrogating, with abolishing, with repealing, as it were, one of the most fundamental rights that a citizen could have, particularly African-Americans' right to inherit property? this is what makes this frightening, gentlemen. We cannot allow this. But as we said, most people are not aware when they come to the meeting, they're not aware of the fact that when you stop and think about it, it's almost hard to believe, okay? Who would just assume that after 150 years of our having citizenship right, that of all the places that we would have to worry and go behind as Toto did in the movie The Wizard of Oz and pull the curtains back (laughs) upon a government agency, okay? Most people just wouldn't assume that.
8: And that's why we
6: use the phrase, Brother Richard, if this agency had been infiltrated by those other groups that we just talked about because it's easier now to get the government to do it because who's going to believe Rich? Who's going to believe Elliot? Who's going to believe Brother Burrell? Who's going to believe Brother Richard? Those guys are crazy. So we will get a government agency. That's why the phrase infiltrate. Is so important here. This agency has been infiltrated. And it is doing the work of those individuals who otherwise would not, uh, shall we say, receive the degree of impunity if they were to do it themselves. So now we've taken over a government agency and they can do the dirty work for us. But to your earlier point, yes, the African-American community, the, the people are. The problem is because the leaders are holding their nose, the African-American leadership. They're holding their nose, gentlemen, and looking the other way.
5: If I can, um, Elliot. Great, just, um, Mr. Burrell, um to follow up on Elliot's question, I mean, since you, you're mentioning, you know, um, the different mobilization of people around this air property and becoming more aware about it, what is the general age of this generation that is – attending these meetings. Do you you have a sense of that?
6: Yes. Uh, Believe it or not, uh, you will have individuals in their 40s and all the way up. The 40s, of course, uh, they don't know anything about farming. Most of the individuals in their 60s and 70s now. Most of us are heirs at law. Uh, In terms of age, when you look at 70- and 80-year-old people, uh, most of them – We're not, we're talking about in the fifties. Okay. Mm. Uh, Most black folks have started to move away from the farm in the fifties and sixties. So even if you were born in 19, shall we say 50, you're going to be what 70 uh, Mm. years old. So you wouldn't even have a 70 year old, wouldn't have that much of what we would call an, a, a, a direct knowledge of the farm. It was, I saw grandma, I saw granddaddy, I saw grandpa. So this new generation, whether we're 35 or 70, we're the generation now that is basically removed from the laboring of, uh, of farming. So most of us are heirs. Keep in mind, when you hear the Camp Lejeune pay out, they say we're going to pay individuals who were going away all the way back to 1953. Well, that's 70 years ago. So let's assume for the sake of illustration that 70 years ago, a 20-year-old soldier would be 90 years old today, wouldn't he, (laughs) if he's alive. The majority of those soldiers who were at Camp Lejeune at that point in 1953, they are deceased. However, you're not telling the heirs of the Camp Lejeune, settlement you can't participate. As a matter of fact, they advertise, if you or your loved one, Yes, you you're not using the phrase in Mister It's you or your loved one when we talk about the Monsanto crisis. It's you or your loved one when we look at nine eleven there in New York. Three thousand, almost three thousand people got killed. Are you? Do you hear anybody say, "Well, we're not going to pay the heirs of the people who were just, uh killed in that"? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Why would you do it with the Black Pharma Settlement?
8: <laughs> okay. <good. laughs>
5: wow. I can go on. I, I just, it's it's so much to this. It's so, you know, this is the, what they call the clarion call for, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, 40 and, you know, between 40 and 60. I mean, because it should also be based off of what you, you always raise, Elliot, it should also be the clarion call in relationship to our politics. So here is our land. And you mentioned that their focus is around political rights. Here is the land, the economic, you know, already the previous generation secured the economic asset. But here now, a more informed and intelligent and interest-specific group, age group, has to do politics differently, even if it comes to selecting people. Because I can't understand the church members, the ones in the universities, uh, the ones, the NAACP, and these here um, black congressional officers that are in the South, that they are quiet. I I mean, these people are, they have constituency groups. How can everybody be silent around this? I mean, it just makes no sense to me.
8: Well,
6: keep in mind, as we said earlier, and when we talk about the slices now, most people are going to protect that slice for which they belong to, and most politicians, he is going to protect the slice that's dealing with the and, and you know the 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 Voting Rights Act, uh, the Fifteenth Amendment. Now, if anything were to happen to Section Two of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, uh, the African American political community, as they should, will come out in force. Okay. People tend to promote and protect that piece of interest that is basically first and foremost of them. Now when you mention constituents, but in my constituent, how many of my constituents are heirs at law? Mm-hmm. Or how many of those heirs at law even know that there's an agency like USDA is trying to take their rights? So the political elected official in the African American community can get away with that because of what I said earlier. How many people would just assume anyway that USDA would be the agency to deprive us of that right? Mm-hmm. So here again, it's a matter of apathy, and therefore, but when we are put on notice, as this organization is doing, now we file a lawsuit. It's out there. You would think we would have, as the lawyers would say, amicus brief. Are friends of the court filing lawsuits to support us, wouldn't you? We're saying, hey, you know what? The Black Farmers and Agricultural Association has stumbled upon something. They found that USDA is trying to deprive the African-American community of its basic right to inherit. USDA is not denying it. You know what USDA is saying in the lawsuit? Yeah, we're doing it, but Congress told us to do it. Now, you would think the African-American political community at this point would be up in arms. It's not only that we raised the allegation, but they are acknowledging it, sir, in broad daylight.
5: (laughs) I I apologize. Y'all, you know, this is an anxiety laugh, right? Because it just speaks to there's a class division that is more dangerous than even when we talk about white supremacy. Yeah. You know, I mean, we we have to, and it goes to something that you mentioned, Elliot. Not just the amicus brief that brief that you mentioned, um, Mr. Burrell, but how is Black media promoting that this this in this injustice? How is how is the various medians and we and from over the last hundred years we've done had different forms of Black media, right? To where now you're, we're talking about. Podcasting and, you know, social media. But I don't think, I don't see it in where, I mean, y'all may be aware of it. I don't see this message of what you're uh, mobilizing, the mobilizing that's going on, Mr. Burrell, around this, especially in the moment when we're talking about reparations and everybody is promoting that by 2050, that we're, you know, black, black America will have no wealth. Well no, we won't have no wealth if this here ruling is just put in place in order to prevent the fundamental wealth creator, which is land.
6: Yep. I mean let me, let me tell you what the what the average media is doing, Brother Richard.
8: <laughs>
6: let me tell you what's happening here. Do you and you there are black organizations that are out there working hand in hand with USDA holding meetings, sir for their benefit to help people to fill out the 40-page application. And even when they are made aware of the fact that this application prevents an heir from participating, do you think they will say, well, no, we're not going to continue to hold these meetings uh, now that we have been put on notice that there is a component of this application that will render a person who would otherwise have a right to participate as an heir from being able to to uh, uh, file an application? No. Those organizations, and I don't have to name them because you know who they are, they are still holding meetings for USDA's benefit, sir, knowing that this lawsuit is out there.
1: Richard, uh, to follow now up? You talk about being co opted, sir. I don't know how much
6: more co- being co opted you can get. I could see it if you didn't know, but now once you've been put on notice, you would think these organizations who are being paid, they have contracts. African American organizations have contracts to help people fill out this application. You would think they would say, hey, no, Mr. Vilsack, now that we realize that you are going to deny members of our community, uh, we don't want any part of this. Forget the fact that they may not want to file an amicus, uh, amicus brief, a friend of the court, to support our position. They're continuing, sir, to, shall we say, pass out the Kool-Aid.
1: Pass out the Kool-Aid. Lord. <laughs> Richard, uh, you know, uh, to to uh, kind of uh, add to bolster what uh, Mr. Burrell just said, they had one of those meetings and I think I made you aware of it up here in, in, in uh, uh right outside of Philadelphia in Delaware. They had a meeting uh, where the administration, sent some blacks out there. I think it was at Delaware State where they was talking about this very thing. But they wasn't talking about it from the perspective of Mr. Morello saying they were talking about it, how much of a great thing that uh, uh, the Biden administration, along with USA is doing for black farmers. Which is was a joke. You remember when I told you what the uh, I remember, the black, yeah, remember saying the, it. Yes. The Black Talk Station was promoting it. The Black Talk Station up here in Philadelphia, and a lot yep. of them people have no clue to what's going on. And believe me, I know because I was there. They have no clue to what's going on with with our farmers.
5: It's it's just it's 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 it's, it's, it's dumbfounding, and and. And I'll respect what you what you're saying uh, mr. Burrell in relationship to um the infiltration aspect um but uh I guess um, I guess I'm a hardliner these guys this is intentional it's like the South remember you know during Reconstruction, instruction that deal they made with, with, with the the president the um now the, the the phrase goes out of my mind when they allowed the South to be able to regain itself. Um, the Tillman Hayes, I think it is, compromise. Um, this seems more rather,
6: than be, rather than be, Hayes. Yes. Yes. yes,
5: yes. This seems more in the context of mm-hmm. that agency being a uh, a part of 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 that you know compromise in relationship to um, maintaining control. It's just an agency. It's it's not it's not a political machinery is not, you know, is it doesn't have a governmental function, you know, I mean, it isn't a part of the legislative body, you know, but to be able to have over that's such a long period of time, the ability to be from one generation to the next. And we see, it. I mean, where LA lay down and you are reemphasizing, they're chipping away, they're chipping away, you know, like we ain't going to do it quickly we can do it over time. But the effect is still the same.
6: And the control and but have
5: I what yeah.
6: Rich about to cut you off, but there is an agreement. That's what we've been saying. Yes. There is a conscious effort, sir. This is not this is a calculated and conscious knowingly. Okay? And to we what we just said, you got black folks still participating in it. So how do you blame white folks, sir, and I'm not saying you're doing it, when you have black organizations who have either acquiesced or outright expressly agreed to continue to promote and, as I say, pass out the Kool-Aid? Mm. Now, what kind of psychology, what curriculum and social engineering do we need to develop to explain why this is going on? It's, it's mind-boggling. It defies logic, sir.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, uh I I want to spend some time on the blue oval and and what's going on there, uh, Mr. Burrell. But before before we do that, before we leave this this particular subject, two questions. One, I want to ask a question in reference to the air property because uh, that's a problem with a lot of our people. Uh, some of the, our elders didn't leave the proper. And, and they, they weren't aware. If they had four children, they figured they'd leave it all to the four and they can kind of, uh, you know, d- uh, do what they need to do, uh, mother and brothers and sisters. But that's not how these governmental agencies are looking at it. They're not looking at it the way our ancestors did. But l- let's, let's approach it from this way. This is my first question. Because you got people at USDA. And and the guy that's, uh, I think he's second in, uh, the guy Goldman. Uh, I think his last name is Goldman. Uh, Mr. Burrell, you've been organized, you organized in several states and got chapters in several states. Some of your members are aware of this man and others. In fact, you might be aware of him because he, as I understand, he was a large farmer black farmer in Arkansas before he took that position with USDA. What do those guys say to people that know them? You might know other people that know him personally, or like I said, you might, what do they say to our people that question their motives and what they're doing? Do they have an explanation? What do they say? Cause I've never had that experience where I know somebody that's sitting in these seats. That's doing wrong to our people or see wrong being done question there, morality and ethics as a person. How can you sit by and, and have this happen to your people? Well, do, do you know anybody that knows him personally? What, what, I'm just curious.
6: I can't name him because of, for obvious reasons I'm pretty sure you'll understand, but I do okay. know who you're talking about. <clears throat> but you have them in other states, okay? You have them in other states, sir. The question is, and, and this is what I meant when I was saying the curriculum in social engineering, To explain why people are doing that, in my opinion, must not have been developed at this point, because it defies logic. And more importantly, how do you then explain to people why you are doing what you're doing, and it goes back to the passing out of the Kool-Aid? For whatever reason, people have to be almost, the recipient must have resigned themselves to the fact that what you are doing is so right and because you're working for a government agency and because you're a black person and because I just believe you wouldn't do this to me, I will go and drink the Kool-Aid because I can't, as we said earlier, it just doesn't sound like you would do this to me. So you've got this era, You've got a period of time where people are in a state, sir, of denial even though the evidence is prima facie as it were there's proof positive that you're doing it as i said in the lawsuit and when we hold the meetings we pass out certain pages of the lawsuit so don't take thomas for word here's what this man said to a federal judge quote unquote a person cannot file for the benefit of a deceased person. Now, you would think you, me, and everybody else in the African American community would leave the room running to tell everybody else that this is happening. But it's not, sir, for whatever reason. There is just the acceptance level uh, is so great. And as I said, it's, in my opinion, the years of just assuming that our leaders wouldn't do this to us that the government wouldn't do it. it is so incredulous until it's almost hard to believe. And yeah, give me a glass of the Kool-Aid too.
1: <laughs> Mr. Burrell. Uh, Jim Jones did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Wow. Mr. Burrell, t- let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the blue oval because it's, it's a similar thing about, uh, getting our people to organize, uh, on an LLC or something where they can kind of pool their resources and land. And, And let me say this, is that a way also to develop a strategy around what they're trying to do with this, uh, now what USDA is trying to do now is, um, pooling the land under an LLC, a protective banner in both instances to help black people.
6: Yes. Keep in mind, as we said earlier, that, When grandma and grandpa and and left the farm and they bought the farm, they just assumed that they could tell their children, hey, I don't ever want you guys to sell. And you got this piece. Seth, you have this piece. Junior, this is your piece. Ray Ray, this is your piece. Uh, Junebug, this is your piece. They just assumed that we would honor their wishes. What they didn't understand is that the law, when you die without a will, is not necessarily what you say. It's what the state law in that, wherever you own the property says. Now, you still, your children still own the land, as it were. So now what we have to do is go back and tell those heirs, here's how we solve the problem. And it's an easy solution to the problem. You can either create wills or trusts, but one of the things that our attorneys, and we are suggesting, them, just if there are four of you in the family, and let's say mom and dad left 100 acres, don't want to turn it into a math class, but that means now if there are four of you all, of you own a one-fourth interest. Now, other, from an absolute standpoint, that's 25 acres. But the government doesn't represent, uh, recognize the 25 acres. They represent the one-fourth interest meaning you have an interest in every acre, every house, every tree. That's why they call it undivided fractional interest. What we're simply saying is, let's say that the uh, Booker family, Booker Farms, now has four siblings. So what we're suggesting is you all create an LLC called Booker Farms Incorporated, and the Each one of you transfer your undivided fractional interest, your one-fourth interest now to the Book of Farms. What the Book of Farms is now, it is recognized by the state. It has its bylaws. It can make its own rules and regulations as to who is going to require what. And more importantly now, you remove that defect. So when a Ford Motor Company Corporation comes down or when a Nissan or when a, uh, shall we say caterpillar, I can go on in our corporation, move next door to the Elliot to, to the Booker farm, now Booker can say, wait a minute, you will go to your family members and say, Hey, let's build a hotel. Or we can now talk about a restaurant or a service station. What you will be able to do then is go to the local bank as it were and borrow money to leverage that farm and that Book of Farms, and put these other collateral businesses there. You couldn't do that if it was unincorporated because of the defects. <clears throat> so what we're suggesting is to the African-American community, not only in Tennessee, but here's how now we solve that problem with the 5 million acres that we still have left. Let's incorporate, get the defects off of the property, and now we can, quote, unquote, move on to the next level of economic development, and that is collaborating. Are we going to collaborate with Holiday Inn? Are we going to collaborate with Halfordant? Are we going to collaborate with McDonald's? <clears throat> so forth, so on, so up to. And this is what we are saying now. You have generational wealth that can pass on to the next generation, whereas if it were left to the four book of children, <clears throat> excuse me. Someone could buy one of those one fourth interests from the Booker members and force the other three to sell. Yes, and that's how we've lost that three hundred billion dollars that you made reference to earlier. Someone got into—that's why I use my phrase infiltrate again, Brother Richard. Another outside investor came in, purchased one of those heirs' interests, infiltrated that family. Now he can go or she can go to court and ask the court to have his interest divided. Well, when the court then says, okay, the way we will divide it, we're going to have a sale. Well, the three remaining Booker children, because it's undivided, can't get a loan to buy this one guy out, yep. this new investor out. But the investor has the money to buy them out. Does that make sense? Yep. <clears throat> and then when it's sold on the north side of the courthouse step, as it were, it's going to go to the highest bidder. And the highest bidder now is going to be that person who infiltrated. And he will give you traditionally maybe 10 to 15 cents on the dollar. The accumulative effect of that 10 or 15 cents on the dollar is how we arrive at losing $300 billion, gentlemen, that you talked about earlier.
5: Can you, you, um, and following up on Elliot's question, is based off of, you know, last time you were on, you were mentioning about having these meetings and dealing with air properties and dealing with blue oval and the economic development potential as in Tennessee of those who own land, have there been movement to, um, you know, the ones who doesn't have a lot of complication around air property, is there movement to incorporate, um, since the last time you've been on?
6: Yes. Interestingly enough, uh, it's just a matter of here people are saying, "Wait a minute," you know. This has been a taboo subject in our community, but now we see that there are, we see that there are economic development opportunities like Blue Oval, and this is a once in a generational opportunity for us now to create some wealth by virtue of incorporating and working with the suppliers around it. When we talk about a Ford Motor Company or General Motors, what is unspoken is that each one of those corporations will do business with hundreds of suppliers where, back in the day, Ford Motor Company would make its own parts. General Motors would make its own parts. Now when Ford comes to town, it is going to be an assembly plant but the parts, the 200 parts that's going to go into that truck or to that car, uh, your steering wheel co- corporations, your battery companies, your axle companies, they're going to come and oscillate and circle the wagons around that Ford facility. They're going to need property as well. They're going to need space. They need warehouses. The more employees that come with them, now they're going to need housing. They're going to need service stations. This is where we are saying now <clears throat> the African-American community who owns land, the Booker Farms Incorporated now, can create an apartment complex, can collaborate with that parts manufacturer, with warehouses, etc., etc. So, yes, the interest level is peaking because we can look literally now out of our back door and see... Put one foot on my property, or at least the property that my grandparents left me, and put another foot on the property adjacent to a $150 billion corporation. So it's easier to see now, wait a minute, we've been missing out. What do we need to do now to participate? So the interest level is higher, and people are indeed, to your point, coming out uh, and, and, and listening to what we're saying. Uh, at these meetings and talking about going back to the family members and saying, now, Hey, wait a minute. I was at a meeting today and we have this property and there's an opportunity available to us. We are adjacent to this uh, major corporation, but here's what we need to do now to correct. As we said earlier, the defects associated with this property i.e., is air property. So let's incorporate, to get the defects off, and now we can collaborate <clears throat> with the company that's going to make the gears, the seats, the steering wheel, the motors, the tracks, so forth and so on, and so up too. But to answer your question, yes, the interest level. This is why what Mr. Vilsack at USDA is exactly the opposite. Corporate America is saying, yeah, you guys get your land together. We'll work with you. Mr. Vilsack is saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to solve your air property by denying your a right as an heir to even have an interest in the property.
1: Let's go to a couple of these calls. Uh, let's go to Newport News. Can you hear me?
9: Uh, can you hear me, Mr. Elliott? Yes, sir. Okay, how are you doing, uh, Mr. Burrell? I've been following you closely. I oh, want to get fire. straight to the people. I want to get straight to the point you want a few people I know since I studied this in the 90s that has been this and that I want to throw in something else that I'm sure you know about, too. The other thing is when you have people researching for your family, you have to be careful about phrases like guardian ad litem and stuff. The reason I know that without trying to take up too much time is a lot of this ad property you end up with relatives that you don't know about. And that's usually who the investors will pick off to buy their small interest. So so I've been telling people, not just from the farming, because what happened to me and my family is we had rural property that the county ended up taking in, and then they wanted to put in a, a development. They went all the way back to a child out of wedlock that they used to take the property, because I couldn't convince the older relatives yes, That if they did exactly what you said, if they incorporated as a whole, they all could have an interest because they were tied to this idea of wanting a separate deed. I just wanted to go there. There's so many things that our people don't understand the real percussions on how the system is set up to destroy you if you think individually. That's all I want to throw in. Thank you for your work.
6: Now, that's an excellent point. Can I respond? Yes, sir. Notice what he said. They think what? Individually. What do we say we need to do? We need to get them to, quote, unquote, incorporate. That is the solution.
8: <laughs>
6: the solution is basically in our community. It's not outside of the community. In spite of the fact that there are people who want to take advantage of us, they can't take advantage of us if we collaborate among ourselves. And he's right. Right. Now, what they will do is pick off those individuals who are probably the fathers removed, okay? But here again, this is uh, a result of the fact that one of the consequences of not having a wheel. I mean, there's no way of getting around that. But by incorporating, let's say that they're, going back to the booker, if I can use your family, just for the sake of illustration, let's say that there are four Siblings in the book of family, one does not want to participate. But if the three get together, it's not four individuals. It is now not four individuals who own twenty five percent. It is one corporation that owns seventy five percent, and one individual with twenty five percent. That is effectively going to deter now that unscrupulous investor for going from going forward. Because he could only pick off what that one individual am I making sense now
1: <laughs> Let's, let me am get... I making sense? Oh yes sir yes sir.
6: he's only going to go far because he's thinking he can keep that's what we call cutting out the herd, so he what he wants to do this unscrupulous investor is to keep all four of you separate because if you pool your resources together, <clears throat> even though you may not have a hundred percent but it's going to be easier for you to prevent him from forcing a sale. That's why they call it partition in kind and partition in sale. The court, first of all, has to look at, can we divide this property up in a way that these individuals can keep that piece and give this unscrupulous investor his piece? Yeah, if he only owns now one-fourth and the other three-fourths are now 75% or as we would say in playing cards, they're holding back. So the court would tell Mr. Unscrupulous Investor, here's your one-four, and the Booker family is going to retain the other 75. He is not going to make that investment if he realizes that this family
1: is going to stick, quote-unquote, together, sir. <laughs> Let me go back uh, to Newport News again.
8: Yes, sir. <laughs> oh. Oh.
1: Hold on one second. Go
9: ahead. Okay, what I was going to say is I want to tie this in, too, because showing you how this very same process works for individuals that don't necessarily have farmland, if you look up a program called Uprooted, U-P-R-O-O-T-E-D, it's the Johnson family property. Now, ironically, I grew up 15 miles away from this family, and it's on a, a road called Shoe Lane that now sits in the middle of Christopher Newport University here in Newport News, Virginia. They ran out a black family that had about 30 acres of land, the Johnsons, who were subdividing, and the property ended up being close to the James River Country Club. Look it up, and you'll find out the very same eminent domain and uh, county officials. This is why I have a problem when people say, this is not the Confederacy. No, it actually is. The documentary tells you about the redneck politicians that chose that neighborhood, why they chose it, even though the family had lawyers that fought hard to show where other property could be bought. Then you'll be shocked because it was tied into Negro removal using colleges and universities all across the country. Look it up uprooted the Johnson family property.
1: Thank you for your contribution, sir.
6: Well, keep in mind, we had, as we said, 20 million acres, and we've lost 15 million. So with the gentleman, and aptly so, is he has just described how we've lost <clears throat> uh, some of the 15 million acres of the land. The question now, if you'll notice what i said, how do we now save what's left? And we're probably not going to save all of that, but at least now we have a tool by which. But in this particular case, in my opinion, it is knowledge uh, and making people aware of how the game, as it were, uh, is being played okay. and what those unscrupulous activities and uh, how they, what they look like because the average person will not know that on their own. This is why uh, holding these meetings and these public sessions are so important our brother Booker and
1: brother Richard. <laughs> Let's go to New York City. New York City. Um,
6: good evening, um, Richard Elliott, and to your guests. Um, I just have a quick question. Um, what is the CBC doing in regards to um, all of these things that are happening to um, the farmers and um, land ownership for common people, um, in this country, is 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 Claiborne and the rest of them standing up and fighting as hard for farmers as they fight for Joe Biden? Uh, is, Richard, is that directed at you or brother? Ellis? Oh, yeah, no, I think he's asking directed
8: you. to you. Uh-huh.
6: OK. All right. Well, I didn't uh, want to be presumptuous and just answer, even though I was eager to do so. <laughs> here's, here's what we have to do, sir. We own land since 1866, okay? We acquired 20 million acres by 1910. Now, our loss has been constant, meaning there is no break whatsoever in the loss of land, to include when individuals from the CBC got elected. So here's what we know absolutely. Now, they would have to answer the question why they haven't done anything. But I can tell you right now the evidence is they have not. All right? We wouldn't be having this conversation if they had. But it goes back to what I believe. uh, Remember when we talked about the slices of the pie? The slice that deals with property and the slice that deals with politics, sir, are two different slices. Politicians have more or less promoted the slice as it relates to the uh, Voting Rights Act under the 15th Amendment, which was passed in uh, uh, 1870 and more or less perfected in the uh, 1965. They have not done a, a lot, in my opinion, to deal with the property right that was passed in 1866. So my point is... Uh, the proof is in the pudding, sir. Now, why they have not done it, and this is what I mentioned when, uh, when I met uh, earlier when I said the curriculum in social study and psychology probably uh, has not been developed to explain why they have not. What we ought to be able to do is call them point blank and say, "Why are you not doing it?" Because at this point, me, you, caller, and brother Richard and brother Elliot. We are just making the allegations. We have the proof that the effects of their not doing it is that we've lost 15 million acres of land. There's no dispute there. We're going to lose eventually the remainder if we don't do something like incorporating. Now what remains is why have these other individuals to your point, caller, have not done anything when the evidence is so profound and in front of us. We need to go the climate solvent. Sir? It could be because we haven't produced the uh, um lobby to pay them Negroes off. That that may be the truth of the matter. Because the reality is if you're not paying them off, it seems like they're not gonna do anything for you. I mean, sorry to say it, but that may be the reality. Um collectively um, we may need to figure out how we can come together, put some money together, and pay them Negroes off, and then they may take an interest in, um, the plight. Now, I mean, I think you understand that better than most. Well, can I say the something, game, called, the, the solution to the problem is not with the politicians, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and here's why I say that. When other minorities come to this country, and and you had people from the Arab community that come to this country in the last 40 years, and they have acquired service stations. You have individuals from India, the Patels, who have acquired hotels. You have people from Vietnam, I can go on and on, who have acquired. Now, did they go to black politicians to acquire that? Maybe that is a false sense of security for us. Maybe we assumed... Incorrectly that they would, and there is evidence to say that maybe, like to paraphrase the gospel, with the man at the pool, we are waiting for somebody else to put us in the water after the water is troubled. When in fact, all we need to do is work among our sales caller. We are the solution. Sir, if they haven't done sir, anything, in a we are the solution. If they haven't changed the what makes you think they're gonna do something tomorrow? Sir, sir, we are yes. the we are the solution, but you know what the biggest problem is? The biggest problem is that separates us from other ethnic groups is our desire to be loved, accepted, and work for white folks. That's our, that's what we being to be successful is when we work with white folks. we don't think about taking the farmland and building crops and doing those type of things that in our mindset I believe I could be wrong that that's not the black man's mindset in this society because they felt as though because they come from slavery. And the hard work that was at play with farming and things of that nature, they don't want no part of that. They wanna, well, that, that, I guess, feel really though, sit in the office and be around white folks and air no, conditioning and all of that. That's
1: not, why, you know, that's not. I why I, be wrong. Yeah, well, you, that's not why people left those farms they left those farms because they see you know, the
9: app- I know I know they left the farms for numerous
6: reasons. A lot yeah. of those farms was because they had to leave because of what white folks was doing. Yeah. I know yeah. that a lot of them left to make a better life for themselves, but I also know that the mindset today is not for a young black kid to be a farmer, man. I know I know I have family members well, that we have property that we, when, when you talk to them about doing something, well, they don't have no interest in that. Wait wait
1: wait, 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 Because wait, wait, wait. hold hold on, hold on a second. We're, the conversation is not centered around farming. It's a landowner. When he's talking about uh, Mason, Tennessee, as far as developing land for hotel, for, for, uh, for, for, um, uh, houses to, to, um, uh, to have supplies that ain't got nothing to do with farming. That's a landowner. That's utilizing his
6: I'm property. using it. I'm using it yeah, well, I'm using every, it as every, I'm using it as an example. Hey yeah, well, you know not something Elliot 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 let me say this to you. I do real estate deals. I know mindset of my people when we start talking about doing deals collectively coming together to purchase land depending on what the land is going to be used for determines if people are interested in moving forward. I just use farming as an example. Yes. There's hotel projects. There's other type of projects. Matter of fact, I'll give you a quick example. I was working on a project with a uh, major league NFL player, a uh, NBA player and another sports person in marketing and the deal was a very simple deal there was some land out in jersey that we wanted to purchase to build a sports facility okay you know what the difference is when it came down to doing it to doing the deal people had the money the money was there but we couldn't do what we needed to do to finalize the deal. I see that happen numerous times well,
1: the, the, the big difference when it is comes that,
6: down to doing The big business.
1: difference is this. We're talking about <laughs> land already owned by black people. I ain't talking about nobody c- c- trying to buy somebody else's land. We're talking
0: about the black land. Man owned the land that come on. I'm talking about.
1: Right, thanks.
6: They couldn't thanks. come together and do the co- deal. Thanks for your the contribution.
1: Thanks for your contribution. You have
6: brother. a man sitting across hey, from you me listen to me? that would honestly. You forget to it. Forget it. Forget that's it. Because you, you know it all, Elliot. And you no, don't know nothing. Because you it's, don't do real estate. Wait, wait so sit up there and listen wait, sometimes. Wait, wait a minute. Hold it.
1: Now, now, talk, now, we're, we're talking
6: about a man me, that is an organizer. What are, what, are
1: what are
8: you doing?
1: Just what are you doing? Me. What are you doing? We're talking about a man here that's what an organizer. What are you doing?
7: I'm what saying, are you the
1: doing? Man right
8: there will you, no, 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 the I'm man gonna, right
1: there
7: the who's tell hey, listen, you what
1: man. I'm saying. I'm not spending no system. time arguing with you, brother. I'm not going to do that.
8: I'm hey, not going to n- do
1: that. N- bro, build me.
6: Build me n- let, let me, Can I say something, gentlemen? Yes. Can I say something, Dakota? Why is it, if farmland is not important, why is it that one of the richest persons in the country, Bill Gates, owns over 200,000 acres of it? why is it that companies from China and Russia and Japan are trying to buy farmland? Why is it that some of the wealthiest individuals in this country are farmers, sir? So when you say black folk, that's a, that's here again. We've been told that it's not profitable, but maybe we were told that so we can leave. <laughs> so my point is it is profitable. No one is disputing that it it is not profitable. Uh, And as I said, the evidence would suggest that when other minorities come to this country, one of the first things they want to purchase, why is it they see profitability in a near er era and in an asset that uh, over the last 40 years for being in this country, and we've been here 400 years and we don't see it. It's a matter of perceptions,
1: caller. (laughs) Let's go to New York City again. Excuse me.
10: Yes, sir. Hello. Yes, sir. How you doing? Great. This is Brother This is Brother Marie speaking. How y'all doing? How you doing, sir? Yes, brother. Um, I just want to touch base. First of all, I I, I do want to apologize to the brother that was on before because I said I wanted to snatch him last week, and that's not, not how we deal with our brothers and stuff, even if we disagree with some of the things that they say. Um, the second thing is, you know, I was sitting and I was thinking about the lawsuit that happened by Sid Miller down there in Texas. Would it stop the farm bill to go through? And then I thought about Shirley Sherrod, and when we, when she was talking about how a lot of the young black people don't even know all the opportunities that are out there for farming and agriculture. And so there's been a shift. There's a lot of people out there in different states that are growing marijuana, or they're growing um, hemp, they're growing – there's plenty of opportunities in farming, and a lot of people understand that as we have a a compression within this economy where you got people that got master's degree sitting at home because they can't even, they can't even get a job. So we have to think outside of the box, like uh, Mr. Burrell is talking about. And, you know, there are some people that have an issue or some type of level of shame that's attached to the land, but that's because we didn't teach them anything about their history. You know? And so when, when we understand that, um, it's important that we connect right back to the land because what people don't understand, culture is connected to your land. It's not just the land itself, but your history is tied to that. Not just the negative history, but the positive history. We have to remember that we we went through and survived so many things. So I'm so proud. First of all, I want to say this. If, if people understand that there are individuals out here doing the things that need to be done, like Brother Burrell and his organization, then let's support that instead of arguing over the phone, put $50 in, you know, send them $50, not only to them, but to Ellie them also, because to have, to have a place, you don't even realize how precious it is, precious it is to have a place to come where we can even discuss our, our thoughts and our ideas. You know, so I think it's important that, you know, when we do these things, let's be supportive. We can argue, we can, yes, we can do it respectfully and disagree, But let's support the people that's doing the hard work like Mr. Burrell.
6: Well, we we thank you for that call. But let me make one other point uh, to the previous caller. When he said people don't uh, uh, have value in farmland. Well, Ford Motor Company is a $160 billion corporation. Why did they invest $6 billion in the middle of a farm community to put the largest automobile facility? Hello. The largest investment, this Blue Oval City, is the largest single investment that Ford Motor Company has made in its history. The government has given them a $9.2 billion loan in addition to their investment in this rural economy. To my point earlier, why is it other folk can see the value of agricultural land, and in our community, we don't see it? So I think one of the most important calls tonight was that brother a minute ago because it tells us to your caller, to your point caller, how important it is for us to have a platform like this one so we can continue to educate those who may not understand the significance of what is going on and why other folks are investing in an asset that for whatever reason we were forced to leave or didn't understand and why we left.
10: Let me just say this last thing, and then I'll get off. I remember, you know, I have a chance sometimes to chop it up with Brother Elliot, and I said to him, you know, I was walking around the city of New York, and I felt like a stranger in my own city, in areas that I know that used to be a vibrant black communities, the face of those communities have changed. So that goes, and his brother's talking about he's involved in real estate, and I respect that. But understand this, if if, if land and which... Real estate land is on top of land. Didn't mean anything. Why are they gentrifying all the neighborhoods that we live in? Why are they taking over these neighborhoods? I'm watching them change my neighborhood, and I'm watching all of these people come in, and they don't look like me. And I'm looking at a lot of black people that are leaving New York and Chicago and Los Angeles because they can't even afford to live in those neighborhoods in which they raise their children in. So it obviously has some type of value because they're coming to get it. Brothers, again, I salute y'all for the great work that y'all are doing, and I'm going to get off and listen to the rest of the program.
1: Thank you for your contribution, sir. Let's go to Philadelphia.
6: Good, good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. Good, even, good evening, Mr. Burrell. How you doing, sir? Can, can you hear me, Elliot? Yo, oh, yeah, yeah. you y'all hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And I know my phone went off. Yeah. But, I man, good to talk to all y'all tonight. Good show. I just want to say, you know, as a, as a black man, brother Elliot and, and, and brother Richard, Mr. Burrell, you know I'm at the point, like I said, well I'm definitely disappointed with our black elected officials. That's why I say that, to me they just they to me they just you know like my aunt told me years three years ago she was a, a delegate for Jesse Jackson when he ran in in 1984 in, in San Francisco, and she told me she said she said she said June because she called me Junior she said Junior look I don't need nobody to tell me. About the white man, so I know how I, I deal with these white folks every day. Well, she said another name for him once there on the radio. She says I understand all the, We are. She said, but these Negroes, these black politicians, that's keeping our people back, and, and it's the main the ones in that Democrat Party. We need to be honest about that, man. They, they are, they are not going right by our people, man. That's why they, That's why we got to move away from them because they are the ones. They are the detriment to our people moving forward. Anytime you got Negroes that can, be, that can. Elected by black people, and they talking about some. They want they, 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 they stand with Ukraine, and they stand with their racist Zionist Israel killing innocent people over there, and they stand with them by their own communities that that that, that they represent suffering in food deserts. You know, a lack of quality uh health care, you know, lack of jobs, lack lack of opportunity. I mean, these, these niggas are so detriment, man. I, I, I get so tired about how bad Trump and the Republicans, I don't have them devils. I don't need them to talk. I see it every day. But it's y'all niggas is not doing anything for your people, man. And I get sick of them, man. Now, I will say this, Brother Elliott and and, and, and and Mr. Burrell and, and Brother Richard. I thought that uh, Brother Jay, that car, I thought Jay made some good points to a large degree about the about the real estate thing and about the uh about some of our people with to come to farming and stuff because I've heard, and it might be just a few blacks that I heard, but I've heard individual blacks say, I "Ain't going out." Look, I left the farm down south, and I told him, "I said, why would you say something like that, brother?" No, that's, that's the key to farmland. When you have farm and you have land, that's the key to wealth. That's the key to building wealth when you have farmland, man. And he said, "Well, I, I grew up in the south. I left the damn farm down south. I want nothing to do with that." And I was like, I hope, you, I hope you're just in a minority of uh, uh, thinking that way and because we need that's why the outer like always petitioned the United States. Said we need, we y'all need to give Six, seven states of our own, so we could go for for ourselves. Because land is important, man, and you stress that, Mister Burrell. Land is important for our people moving forward. You know, so I mean, and again, if you had, if you had your black politicians was in on board as much as they push for for for, for the support racist Israel and Ukraine as they do, if they push that for for, for black owners land ownership and farmland, and say, if they push that hard for that as they do for Ukraine and Israel, our people be going somewhere, man. And that's just the reality, you know.
1: Mr. Burrell, Uh-oh. Mr. Burrell, I think we might have lost him, Richard.
6: Uh, well, but, but anyway, but Elliot, I'll make this last point. And then yeah, go. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. No, Brother Richard, Brother Elliot, can uh-huh. I say something? Yes, yes. The caller mm-hmm. said something that's very important. Remember I said there has been some element of complacency? Maybe it's easier to get... The leaders of the African American community not to associate value with farming if you can succeed in getting the community for devaluing and not developing appreciation for it. So, if the caller is correct, and he is to a lot of extent, maybe the black politicians are saying, Well, we don't have to get involved. We can get away with not addressing the the seriousness in farming because black folks don't care about it anyway. And, and that's and my Brown. And that's my point. You know, I said that to say that's you're correct, but that could be a source of why, and not that I need to give them an excuse. Right. Uh, but by the same token, when they the same group will say, "Well, we got to stop Russia from buying farmland. We need to stop China from buying farmland." Now, if you think then it is wrong for Russia and China to come to this country to buy farmland, but you don't have an appreciation for black folk who already have it, that's here again hypocrisy. Uh, so I'm kind of like retracting maybe the reason, the excuse that I would otherwise have afforded them. But the, but the most important thing is, uh, and one of the other callers said it earlier, gentlemen, we have to appreciate you, Brother Elliot, and uh, Brother Richard, for having this Platform. This is something that we need to continue to talk about. Uh, we need to preach in season, to paraphrase the gospel again, and out of season. And, and, and well said, Mr. Burrell. And Elliot, I make I make this one last point, okay, Kelly and I, and I did off okay Elliot. Mm, uh, right. Again, I, I may like I say I, I was telling Brother Ralph, uh, uh, listening to this show, I told Ralph earlier, and I've said it on Terrestrial Radio, uh, um, Brother Elliot and Brother Rich and Mr. Burrell. I made a mistake and I'm honest to make my mistake. I got caught up in it and I and I'm almost ashamed as a 62 year old black man. I got caught up in it last November. I held my nose, and I really say this with all due candor, gentlemen. I held my nose and voted for that creep Joe Biden. I held it because I was because I, so I looked at the alternative band Donald Trump, and I did the same thing on the governorship. I held my nose and voted for Josh Shapiro over Masano. I'm not doing that no more. I'm not voting for the lesser to evil. Evil is evil. I'm not. I'm getting tired of this boogeyman stuff. Well, if you don't vote for Biden, you're gonna get Trump or the Sanders. Damn it! If, they, if either one of them getting there, so what? We survived eight years of Ronald Reagan. We survived Clinton, Bush, Autumn. So what I'm getting there so bad. I'm not. I'm not from this point on, Brother Joe. I'm speaking for me now. From this point forward, I am not voting for the lesser two evils. I don't care whether they are black Democrat or white Democrat. If they no good for my people, Mister. I'm not voting for them. If the alternative getting there so bad, and that's the and that's the stance I'm taking. So was that? Thanks, Brother Elliot. Put me on mute, and I and I listen to the rest of the show.
1: Thanks for your contribution.
6: You're welcome,
1: Mister. Burrell. Well, here again,
6: I am just elated uh, that we have a platform and a forum to continue to talk about this problem. And as I said, when a person calls in, in my opinion, uh, and they may not understand, that just tells us how much work that we have to do. Uh, our we, If for no other reason, we owe it to our ancestors. Okay, These are individuals that were put into an industry, agriculture, and they lived, they sweat, they died. And they believed that God was going to come and see about their grandchildren. And we are that generation. And for us to allow uh, an establishment to just wash away, to abolish everything that they lived for, even though there were trials and tribulations during that era, we owed our ancestors more than that. We, it would, their lives, their suffering would be in vain if we were to simply walk away and say, uh, now, uh, let that industry die. Uh, as I said, other people are coming to this country to get into agriculture. Other investors, uh, why is it they see what basically those of us who have benefic- uh, the beneficiary of this land? Most of the property that black folks own, Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, is paid for. Is our property? We don't owe a dime on it. All we have to do is pay the taxes. And you're telling me that a piece of property, to your point, Richard, uh, our, our brother Ali, when he was talking to the caller, now we are talking. We can use that equity. We're not talking about growing cotton and soybeans necessary now, and I don't I shouldn't have to defend that because I'm a farmer. But now we've got an opportunity to use that equity to start talking about. Competing with the people who now have control of the hotels, competing with the individuals who have just come to this country and have control of the service station, and competing with all of the other groups who see an asset and a value right in our community that for the last 400 years, sir, we may not see. We owe our grandparents more than that.
1: (laughs) Mr. Burrell, I want to thank you for your work. Uh, Looking forward to the next time you come on to update us on what's happening. Um, (laughs) uh, In fact, before we go, um, anything that you want to give out, the contacts, how people can join uh, if they're not members, the floor is yours.
6: Yes. Please call 901-522-8880, 901-522-8880, 880, 880 rather. Uh, W-W-W dot dot com.
1: Ms. Burrell, before you go, uh, when is the next uh, series of meetings, um, not only for the, this uh, $2.2 billion, but just uh, the organizational meetings for the, for Blue Oval?
6: We have not scheduled a meeting during the Christmas holiday, Brother Elliot, we will let you know, and that's why we are hoping people will go to our website, and we will... Uh, and sign up your email so you will be able to get notifications. Let me give that uh, website address again, www.blikeboy, F like Frank, A like Apple, A like Apple again, I-N-C, uh, .com, telephone number 901-522-8880. Sign up. Uh, at least let us know that you're out there so we can send you notifications. As to where we're we going to be around the country, and we value your input
1: <laughs>
6: Bridget-
5: yes yes i i'm I'm always um elated um Mr. Burrell, because you're helping us see that this is um this is this is not just our time but uh we, we you know in the language they say winnie um the resurrection of the birth, and if we take this back to the eighteen sixties when black folks really was recognized that that generation said, we're going to be able to develop this wealth uh, and to be able to be unified. They were unified. You didn't have to convince them to come together. Um, And I'm glad that you're, you know, making this happen again and um, showing um, how much, how important it is for us to be about the land, our unity, and the economic development that comes out of those two things.
1: Mr. Burrell. talk to you soon, sir.
5: Yes. Oh, Oh, okay. Brother
1: Richard, I'm sorry, yeah no problem. I'll take care you take care. All right. Thank holiday. you so very much. Okay. Yes. Peace. Talk to you soon. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye bye. Richard. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Always good conversation and updates. You know, those meetings down there and uh I guess once they'll pick up again in January, right after, you know, all the things is over at the end of the year. Um it's only going to pick up steam, Richard, because of uh, what's building down there. That that project down there is is a, it's not in development; it's on the move. So, uh, you know, the, the, the meetings that's happening, you can see that the people are very interested because they're coming out by the hundreds. So it's Man. not it's not like they're straggling in or it's two or three people, or he got to twist people's arms. They're at those meetings, so they really want to find out what they can do to organize. And to utilize their property. Because, I mean, like you said, a lot of them is not necessarily down there. They're, they're in other cities. But they're coming back to see what can be done with the land that they own.
5: But, you know, Elliot, uh, yeah, Elliot um, one thing that really, um, I guess I'm taking to heart and and it's just reinforcing, you know, when we talk about being a colonized people and on and on and how important our politics and how important is self-determination as we come up, up on the principles of Kwanzaa. It just, you know, when, when it, when he, um, presents, um, how an agency, the USDA can do what they do. If that, I don't care what our orientation is. If we can't see that this is what they can do to take
1: away something from black folks. That's crazy, Richard. Listen, it's not crazy that they're doing that. It's crazy that they're doing it in the open. Right. Just like you said, Richard, they're not doing this behind the scenes. Right. They're doing this right in front of your face. Richard, that only confirms what you've been saying and preaching and pushing about black citizenship. Now, just like uh, we didn't talk to on this program, black people feel as though they're citizens. You can't tell a black person that they're not a citizen of this country. Mm -hmm. But these other people, they feel as though that you're a citizen at their behest. That's a difference. That's a difference.
5: (laughs) And you know, Ellie, one of the first fundamental things for citizenship in this country was that you had to have property. You couldn't vote if you didn't have property, <laughs> right? And 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 I and I want to I want you know that this thing is when we talk about CRT, you know, critical race theory. That it's embedded within the structure, and it's the, the challenge I'm having, unless we, you know, uh, I don't care what we claim we can do, unless we believe that we're that this is embedded we won't understand that a uh, agency from generations. I mean, we can deal with Volsack or whatever his name is right now, but we're talking about almost over 150 years. That over who has been in charge of this agency. And in that we can see the outcome is the removal of black people who had land. Yep. That's a strategic plan yep. that goes beyond just an end. You could talk about, well, in an era, you know, they were like this or this person was like this. We're talking about a policy initiative that has been a part of the bureaucracy with a broader bureaucracies and legislative bodies, presidents, whether they black or white, <laughs> that have been able to perpetuate that. If black folks can't see it, I don't know. I mean, what, what do we need? I mean, is it... I, I...
1: And, and, and Richard, here's another way to look at it, too. Because um, it's not like how people have been using that land to build apartment houses or, or developments or anything like that, by and large. The USDA is over agriculture in this country.
8: Right.
1: So the overwhelming majority of black land ownership from 1865 until the present was to have some type of agriculture, whether it was producing meats or produce. If they're in the business, and that's mm-hmm. what it basically boils down to of taking black people's land mm-hmm. is that they don't want you producing those things. Right. They basically don't want black people producing anything. But right. they don't want you producing foodstuffs, whether it's meats, turkeys, chickens, beef. Uh, I don't buy about pork, but, uh, you know, people produce it. They don't want you producing meats, vegetables, or fruits to provide for your people. They want your people to get that from them or get it from other people that they place in your neighborhoods that sell you substandard stuff. They want you to be a permanent consumer. Mm-hmm. Is that what black people want? Because it's clear that that's what they want. Why are they been in the, uh, historical and it's clear that they've been doing this since black people was able to purchase land. They've been counterproductive counter uh, doing a counter uh, 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 mission to take your land and to make sure you don't produce anything. These white farmers can go there if they get a bad crop, if it's a drought. If it's a flood, uh, 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 if it's uh, 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 whatever, natural disaster that has damaged your crops, you supposedly supposed to be able to go to the USDA and get money to cover the losses because agriculture is a major part of any society. It's different than me being in the selling clothes or selling shoes or a, a sneaker store. If I fail, I just fail. I get a job or do something else. But providing agriculture for a country, whether it's meats or produce, is a necessary part of the inner workings of any government. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important that they be able to access capital and loans to cover any losses that happen, but black people weren't able to do that, and still not. When I gave that little timeline, Richard... Mm-hmm. Of, of, I mean, c- come on here. In 8, 9, 1965, they discovered discrimination at USDA. It took mm-hmm. them five years to write a report. And then in 82, they wrote another report saying, uh, we discovered that the USDA might be doing some of the same things that they're fighting against. That was in 82. And then it was in 96, till black people took to the streets and then uh, went to the White House and demanded something to be done about this. And then from 96 to 2010, after they went to court. Now, number one, why do you have to go to court to try to prove this? History already shows that you did it. But they went to court and it took 14 years for them to come up with some bogus $1.2 billion that black folks never got. $1.2 billion. When Darity and other economists said that you had stolen over $326 billion and the USDA was a big part of that. So you issue a $1.2 billion settlement that they never got. And then turn around, that was 2010, uh, turn around 10 years later, well, 11 years later under this uh, uh, Build Back Better and say, well, we're going to give black farmers $5 billion and they don't get that. I mean, what, what is this? What is this, Richard? What what is this? I mean, this this is this is crazy, and black black media is not blowing a horn about this because they're in bed with a lot of this stuff that's going on. They're friends with these politicians. They ain't gonna trash them or trash what they're doing.
5: It require it requires us to be clear of what is our position. Or at least those of us who think, you know, what is our position in this country? I don't care what we call ourselves, what is our position in this country? And and I know I I, I wanna if if I have a couple a couple of minutes. I just want to share this and when I'm dealing with when you start off in eighteen sixty three, right, with the in relationship to um, you know, that agency being formed. I'm looking in this text, uh, Credit Nation, Property Laws and Institutions in Early America. And I said it earlier, but I think this reemphasizes when we talk about what is our position. And if we don't accept that, or if those don't want to accept it, you know, that's that's okay. And it goes to what um, Cynthia McKinney says in, this, in her clip that you play. In, in 1732, Parliament, so we're not talking about America, we're talking about um, England. Parliament responded by enacting a sweeping Debt Recovery Act, which required throughout all of the British colonies in America, all land, houses, and slaves were assets available to satisfy creditors' claims against debt. Let me emphasize that land, houses, and slaves. That's that's 1732. In 1797, Parliament repealed the Debt Recovery Act, and this 1776 has happened. With respect to slaves in the remaining British colonies, in the United States, slaves would continue to be used as collateral until emancipation 65 years later. So... Even though Britain ends it in seventeen seventy nine, United States maintained slaves as collateral until eighteen sixty what three four. This U.S. Now it says land, houses, and slaves were assets available to satisfy creditors. So now you get an agency in 1860s that purpose is to do what? And what is black folks doing? What is the major thing black folks is acquiring? One of the primary instruments to satisfy creditors against debt, land. land. And what have they been taking away from black folks? land (laughs) through an agency that was created. And again, from its inception. So I'm, I'm, for me, if we don't understand our, and we're talking about the South, we ain't talking about the North. We're talking about the South. We're talking about the largest land owning acquisition um, amongst a people in a short amount of time occurred by the, in the South by people who were designated slaves who were designated collateral in the South hmm. to satisfy debt. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but I think it's important to, when we're talking about our status, and then we say we're citizens, how does those match up? And you use that example of, here you're going to learn. You, you're going to get determined whether you can vote, whether you you got the ability to be able to tell how many marbles in a
1: jar. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of stuff is that? Listen, I'm glad he said that that 40 page document that they have now is tantamount to the same thing. Yes. And then wait a minute. After you fill out or attempt to fill out the 40 page document, if you are heir, then you're not even qualified anyway. Right. And so, really, anybody who –
5: and he said the average age who is assembling are 40 years old. anybody who – everybody who could be able to be direct owners in most cases are not here.
1: So, the whole 40-page document is a sham. I know it. And, Richard, I'm glad that he – see, you don't watch television. I'm glad that he used those – because they – the, the airwaves are flooded with those commercials now about mesophilioma, mm. which is uh, uh, um, asbestosis. And this Camp Lejeune act where people uh, it was uh, the water down there was poisoned from 53 to another date. Now, just like he said, if you was in Camp Lejeune in 53 and you are just say, for example, you were 20 years old when you was in the service, you couldn't be much younger than that it's a chance that you might not be here now. But that commercial says, if you were there or your loved one, and I didn't even really realize it or pay attention to it until after he mentioned it tonight. Those commercials do say that. Mm-hmm. But that's not, uh, with black farmers, if you are heir, then you're not eligible. And he said it, and if you remember, uh, Miss Boyd, when she was on, she said the same thing, Richard. Right. You remember when she was on? She said the same thing about that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that document and all, and and the heirs were not eligible. So, so all of those, the Pickford versus Glickman lawsuits and all of them that, that the the people's elders had fought for, that they didn't get uh, their rightful settlement for in 2023 or 2022, you ain't eligible they're not eligible to get it. And if they're not here, you're not eligible to even apply for it. Well, what kind of, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. If that ain't an evil, devilish system, I don't know what is. No. And speaking of that, Richard, before we go, a um, couple things happened this week. I think they sent, the United States sent uh, all of these and, and mentioned their number. Of these blockbuster bombs over to Israel. Mm. Oh, they did. I heard about they were supposed to. Mm. Yeah, and the it, it, published report came out that uh, Israel is planning to flood uh, a lot of these areas mm. uh, that they the found tunnel these tunnels of- with seawater.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And they had a vote on the fifth of December, which was Tuesday, about. See, before they already had that, yeah, anti, you know, you could be accused of anti-Semitism. But if you say anything anti-Zionism, right. it's the same as anti-Semitism. And then I looked at all of these. I made sure that I looked at that vote because, you know, the vote, the, the, you can go and access it online, how your representatives. And I wasn't even paying attention to the white ones. I was looking at the black CBC members, how they voted and the ones that voted. yay. And then they had some, for strategic reasons. And believe me, that they only did that for aesthetic reasons. That voted present. They didn't say yay or nay. They just voted present. Which was Jeffries, Meeks, Clyburn, several others just voted present. That that's a yay vote. Don't play those games with me. Play it with somebody that's less intelligent. Mm which they think that black people are, but black folks ain't stupid. They might not have all the information. That's different of being ignorant of a thing or being stupid. Some of these people think that we're stupid. And then you had some of them that voted yay, like quasi and fume. Mm -hmm. And and others voted yes. That if you say anything anti-Zionist, you can be accused of anti Semitism, controlling speech. They had that vote, uh, the UN Security Council, which several of the nations of the world set on, for immediate ceasefire. And I was kind of surprised, but I wasn't, Richard, because Linda Thomas Greenfield wasn't there. Did you notice it was an it no. was a, it's a black guy? He's the deputy. Wow. they they make sure that they, I'm telling you some of our people sleep at the wheel some of them they make sure that when the world see these things they see you involved see some of our people I ain't concerned about Palestine and this that and the other okay you don't have to be concerned mm-hmm. but these people are using you as a face of something is that what you want they're using you as the face of this type of aggression so you might not want to discuss it, but they're using you. Why don't you have something to say to the people that are being used to put their face to this? Linda Thomas Greenfield wasn't there. It was a guy, Randy Woods. I forgot his name. He's hmm. the deputy. He was up there saying, why, but I, I just want to play it just for the audience' sake. I want to play what he said in reference to why the United States is supporting this. It was two nations that went together. And being the United States is on the Security Council, they need a unanimous vote, if I'm not mistaken, right. Right. By, the, by the Security Council. And the United States blocked it. But let me play um, what he said. And then they had others. They had China, uh, Russia, several other countries that voted, uh, voiced their opinion against what the United States did. Um, I just want to play him and I want to play, um, uh, the, uh, oh man, I don't even have it. The, uh, UN representative to, um, if I can find it, I might have to put that on pause and get it another time. Yeah. Uh, I'll play his. I don't have that other one. Um, This is what he said, Richard, in reference to the United States.
11: While the United States strongly supports a durable peace in which both Israelis and Palestinians can live in peace and security, we do not support calls for an immediate ceasefire. This would only plant the seeds for the next war because Hamas has no desire to see a durable peace to see a two-state solution. Members of this Council advocating for resolutions have an obligation to explain how their proposals will break the cycle of unceasing violence and support the steps we all agree are necessary to lay the foundation for a more peaceful and secure future so that history does not keep repeating itself. Our goals should not simply be to stop the war for today. It should be to end the war forever, break the cycle of unceasing violence, and build something stronger in Gaza and across the Middle East so that history does not keep repeating itself as Israel pursues legitimate military objectives. And we will not give up on a future where Hamas does not control Gaza, which is untenable for Israel's and the region's security and the well-being of the Palestinian people. Thank you, Mr. President.
1: Uh, Richard, you The last time I looked and, 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 uh, you know, when we had Cynthia McKinney on, talked about when they had the elections. Because if you notice, they don't even talk about the PLO anymore and what they had done to that organization. That was a political organization. Mm. But uh, Hamas was elected, democratically elected leadership by Palestinian people. So when you keep saying that you're going to get rid of them, then you're talking about a democratically elected government. As far as I understand, Richard. Maybe you can help me if I'm wrong. No. Because you're, you're right. You don't like their policies or what they've done. If that's the case, uh, because the, they harp on October the 7th, then arrest the people involved. Try them. You don't go in there and just indiscriminately kill people, period. mm. But I, there's,
5: I, there's I, something bigger going on. I mean, I but, it, but anything
1: I'm, I say may may seem cliche. But what I'm talking about is uh, the the purpose of using you to be a face of this. They're doing that for a reason, Richard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But if we tie it, we tie it to
5: if we tie it to the discussion we had tonight. And we tied the discussion we had tonight to um, what you, you what you informed me of what was going on in Delaware and what Mr. Burrell said in relationship to what's not going on from all the, what did he say, no one sent, um, provided an amicus brief as a support and None, none out of reading the 40 page document and that administrator saying, yes, yeah, we, we, we changed it so that they get, I mean, the Congress, those people in Congress know. Well, that's a whole group of people at different levels that are taking the same kind of position, aren't they? They're all black faces who are in a position that shows that they're not even in support of black people. If I'm making any sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. I,
5: it, I mean, this is good. This is happening live right now that there's a group of black people, you know, even if we don't even deal with what's going on in another country behind two people, but what's going on in America amongst black people about something that, you know, another element of defining our citizenship. And there is a class of black people who are turning their head like it don't exist. And he's saying that they're even getting paid to fill out a document that for the people, they fill it out. They can't get benefit from. I know it. How can you do that? They getting paid, they get paid to assist you and in the document and in the that that, that if you coming to get this, you can't even be eligible. And they okay with
1: it. Listen, I mentioned to you, Richard, when they had, was having those meetings in Delaware that uh, mm-hmm. W.R.D. was. In fact, I think they broadcasted one day from one of the uh, sessions or the <laughs> session that was there. How this was such a great thing. Did they broadcast something in reference to black farmers? And I could see that a lot of people that they were that were there that was hosting had no clue about what they were dealing with. And I, I don't want to criticize some of our people, but you, you've going to I was watching a thing online where it was a woman. At one of the news stations, and it might have been down at one of the places where Mr. Burrell went. I think it was in North Carolina that had him on a TV program that asked him about what he was doing. And he was explaining to her about the. uh, uh, Because she said, oh, he's here to talk about the two point two billion dollars that is available to African-American. I think she said African-American farmers. And how it was such a great thing. And he's here to talk about it. But when he started talking about how it wasn't such a great thing, I could see the look on her face was like, huh? Like she didn't understand where he was going. Mm. (laughs) But when she introduced him, it was like, he's going to talk about this great thing that's happening now. Here's the information.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wanted to get that other portion, but uh, I'll save that for another time. Richard, um, before we leave tonight, uh, let me give the uh, lineup time for Awakening Media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Hoshi. Always interesting topics, dialogue, and guests on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week on Thursday night. 7 to 9 Mississippi on the move the black liberation movement in Mississippi brother Patrick Lemumba, brother Kamal Kareem uh, brother Rodney Lowe several hosts uh, hosting the program on Thursday from 7 to 9 time for Awakening is back on Friday from 8 until Saturdays the elders of Sankofa from 7 to 9 p.m. Dr. Janine James is host and Sundays from 7 until time for Awakening on Sunday evenings. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
0: Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon your children play Too bad.